Here we go. Welcome to Tales from the Turntable, coming to you from MO Studios in the heart of downtown, wherever you are. We're going to be talking rock, jazz, blues, metal, new wave, grunge, pretty much every musical genre of the last 50 years or so, with the people who matter. We'll find out where we've been and where we're going. So stay tuned. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Tales from the Turntable, episode number one. My name is James Oatway, and I'm going to introduce you to my co-host, Jack Ashton. Jack? Yeah, well, hello, everyone. And like James said, uh, welcome to uh, the first show of Tales from the Turntable. I look forward to doing all this. My name is Jack Ashton, and uh, I'm a record music promoter and marketing of music professional. Uh, my hometown uh, is Detroit, Michigan, uh, Rock City. I have yep. to put that in there. And uh, I, I live now in uh, Westlake Village, California, which is very near Los Angeles. I've been out here for 35 years. Okay, you've got Jack in Los Angeles, and you've got me here in Oakville, which is close to Toronto in Canada. Uh, my background isn't as storied as Jack's. I started out working at a recording studio in university and ended up rubbing elbows with Canadian rock royalty. And since then moved out to Oakville, uh, built a small studio here, uh, have a record label, have done some writing and producing. I've had a little bit of success, a ton of mediocrity, but that's the music business. So what we're going to be doing is talking to all our friends and acquaintances in the music business, talking jazz, blues, rock, but uh, since Jack is the co-host and our first guest, uh, my first question to you, Jack, will be how did you end up getting a start in the record business? Well, I first got into the record business, uh, James, in uh, 1971 as a record promoter. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened to me in, the mu in music prior to that. But when I started my career in 1971, it was in Detroit. It was my first record job. It was with Mercury Records out of Chicago was where the headquarters was. And uh, I uh, worked various other great uh, record companies as well, uh, with ABC Records, United Artists, uh, Chrysalis Records, EMI America, which is a part of the Capitol Records Group, RSO Records, and finally Polygram Records uh, was the basis of my career in working with records, record companies. I think it would probably be easier or a shorter list to ask you who you didn't work for than who you did. <laughs> That's probably true. I know people are going to wonder, wow, why did he work for so many record companies? But <laughs> well, you moved to where you're needed, I guess. Yes, it was, it was, it was part of, you know, uh, just like any, um, almost like an artist, you know, I was, I was popular. And so people wanted me to work for them. And so I made certain decisions at times where it was more fruitful for me to move to a various record company and move up. And basically the labels that I mentioned, I was either, I went from local to regional uh, in various different parts of the country and to a national right. positions as well in the album promotion part. Right. So can you tell everybody, I know we've talked about this, but can you just briefly tell everybody what a record promotion guy does? Because a lot of us just think bands come out with music and it makes the charts and it sells and that's it. But there's a little more work to it, isn't there? 
Well, yeah, the uh, the thing that you have to understand about being a record promoter, uh, you have to have quite a uh, a personality. And uh, the better the personality, the better the promotion man. And I was, I guess, gifted uh, with that kind of a personality where I was able to go into radio stations uh, and in uh, marketing and record stores and all the other things that you need to be as, as a record promoter, uh, whether it was a local or regional or a national position, uh, personality was a big part of it. And uh, because I had a, a good one, um, people trusted me yeah. and it was fun. I mean, I made it fun to, to promote records. I was, I was a fun promotion guy. Everybody enjoyed hanging out with me. So that was, that was part of my, my, you know, my shtick, I, I guess you could call. So it's kind of the, the WKRP, uh, town to town packing and unpacking sort of lifestyle you lived, isn't it? Yeah, you know that you know that KRP isn't too far off the target. Obviously, <laughs> that show was really well done, and as and, and, and as silly and insane as that show was, it was it was like that at some of the radio stations I worked with. It was it was quite humorous uh, working with some of the the folks I did. Uh, it was a, it, it, it was a, it, I I enjoyed getting up every day and doing it. That's it, great. It was, there yeah. was nothing. Yeah. So you must have, for every city you were in, uh, going from radio stations to, to I guess, from whatever ra- um, record label you were working for, you, you probably did a lot of driving, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Being a record promoter, you definitely have to have, uh, um, you know, know, know where you're going and uh, your GPS be- before GPS even existed. So you right. had to have your yes. own, G- you had to have your own GPS in your head and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and 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 learn how to get into get to the radio stations and then there were shortcuts and uh, yeah. the other fun part was is finding the the key phone booths and where the key phones were because there was no cell phones back then so that's, yeah that's so hilarious you, then yeah. yeah so you have to take all that into uh in perspective of the time that we were dealing with back then you know we all had credit card phone, telephone credit card numbers all right. Okay. That's okay. That's that's old school. Yeah. Yeah. So when you when you'd be visiting radio stations, there would be times you would be with the actual artists themselves, right? Yes, I would take uh, some of the artists uh, literally on the road with me, or I would meet up with them in a various different cities uh, and take them to the radio stations. Uh, and most of the time that I ever did that, it was, uh, usually either on the first album or project they were working and okay. getting them to know the rate. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, you know, taking, uh, yeah. So it, it was more like out there to break the new artist, but in some cases okay. I would take uh, these, these top artists to, uh, radio stations to, you know, uh, to give a gold record away or a platinum record. So, I mean, so there was time, a lot of times when I was taking an artist to present awards to radio stations as well. Well, it must've been a little bit of babysitting involved then, was it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Dealing with artists, uh, you know, became, you know, that, that was another art you had to learn how to do because each artist, uh, you know, a lot of them had their egos and, um, you know, right. and, uh, but in the early, in the early stages, it wasn't so bad as they got a little bigger, it became a little more difficult to deal with it. But in most cases, uh, it, it was smooth, but, uh, if you got too close to, 
entity artist, sometimes it would become a problem because uh, you can't tell them too much <laughs> because they end up telling their they, yeah they end up telling their managers and then the manager tells the record company. So you got to be very careful about how close you do to get to the artist. Right. So I guess there there weren't too many uh, too many advisable times to have beverages or or other sort of goodies with these people. Well, it, some some were some were okay. Some you had to watch what you were doing. You know, you really had to be ca- careful. I mean. I know that, you know, when I worked with the Jay Dow's band, working with Peter Wolf was, you know, could be sometimes difficult only because he was, uh, you know, very, he was kind of like the manager of the band without the manager, uh, you know, okay. so, you know, so you didn't want, you had to be careful around artists from, from that aspect. You didn't want to be drinking around them or doing anything else. So like, you know, with, like most people would think of taking drugs or something, but, yeah. uh, which you don't want to do because you don't want that kind of, uh, you know, thing going back to the manager or back to the record company. You want to keep yourself totally uh, professional at all times. So yeah. it was a it was a squeaky clean business with you, was it? Well, for me, most of the time I had to be, and that's why I never I was never fired or let go from anybody. I mean, <laughs> and I was never reprimanded. I mean, you know, th- there was times where I, there was arguments a bit, but uh, yeah. there was never there was never anything that uh, and I got into in, in any corner with. I mean, there's a few instances that I could talk about, but I'd rather not bring them up at this time. Yeah, there's there's no need to air dirty laundry. We will be talking in depth about people, but nothing nothing negative. We don't need to trash anyone. But Jack, how about a list of a few names of people that you've worked with, just to let people know the scope of what we're doing here? Well, uh, to start with uh, would be Rod Stewart in his early solo days on Mercury Records. Uh, worked with uh, Rod, and he is, was already very successful, having uh, being in the Jeff Beck group originally, right. and Great then moving band. on to a solo. And this Mercury Records is where he was having a solo uh, career with a cut across shorty and uh you know maggie may which was a number one hit for him so he was his he was already very big uh, at the time right so maggie may was an established hit so that wasn't something that you uh, had a hand in promoting was it it was it, it actually was a hit prior to me working at mercury so uh and then i ended up working with him on various other album releases as, okay. as we went on and, and going to the dates and and uh, going backstage and meeting with him and Ron Wood and things like that. Great. So so we've got Peter Wolf uh, from Jay Giles. We've got Rod Stewart. I think I've seen yeah. pictures of you with Bobby Vinton. I've seen pictures of you with uh, yeah. uh, John, John Cougar. Yeah, John Cougar. Yep. Um, I, I worked with John uh, on the, you know, just after the hair of him leaving his original label, which was part of RCA. And then he came over to Polygram. And I did uh, worked with him during the uh, the release of Hurts So Good and Jack and Diane, his two okay. big, uh, big, big hits. And so uh, I was uh, I spent a lot of time with him on the road, going to radio stations. So. What city were you in when you were working uh, Jack and Diane? I was in Detroit. I was doing regional for Polygram. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that probably, I mean, it's funny, though, because I, I remember that song being big here in, in Toronto in, what was 1979 mm-hmm. or 80 or something like that? And and it's just funny that your promotion across the border, not too far from Toronto, probably had some overlap with whoever was doing it here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it really, it, it, 
it resonated heavily out of the Midwest where John had spent, and that's where he's from. He's from Indiana. And so uh, he spent a lot of time touring around the Midwest a lot. And, uh, and, I, and the, the tour that I hooked up with him on, he was opening for uh, Hart. And, uh, and we did all, I mean, multiple dates throughout uh, Michigan, uh, Ohio, uh, and into Buffalo and Syracuse and all, just a whole string of dates and right. uh, fly, flying on airplanes with them as well and with really? the wow. manager and the band. Mm-hmm. That was, a, that was yeah. a tough tough life you were having. Well, it sounds glamorous, but it does have its moments of, uh, you know, uh, of insanity. You know, yeah. I mean, the, some of the things that were asked of me to do and some of the things that, you know, I would get try, I, I'd get myself out of a corner doing for John or something for the band, which would be normally something that the road manager would do. But, uh, you know, I, I just, we're you know, talking, so I, we're talking know. in code now, I think. Yeah, I have to say it in code. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's but it was you know it it was it was part of uh, being out on the road with somebody. I mean, I was out with Joe Elliott, the lead singer of uh, Def Leppard, too. I mean, so. But yeah. uh, Joe Joe hadn't got. I mean, Def Leppard wasn't the super super band that they are uh, yet, and uh, it was prior to the Pyromania uh, album. And okay. uh, it was uh, we, you know we were working. The, I was working the first album and taking them around the radio stations before the thing totally exploded. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun to do uh, prior to. Uh, okay. And then getting involved with them was you know insane. The amount of uh, groupies and women that were flocking to this these young rock and rollers from England is quite extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Sounds, sounds like an awful life, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm egging you on to, to uh, discuss more people, but I think with, with you, Jack, we're going to have a lot of episodes. We'll, we will uh, be discussing uh, probably six month periods with you that we can fill hours with. So, we're going to oh, carry sure. on. But the first thing I want everyone to know, I mean, you're from Detroit. You're from born right. and raised in Detroit. And this is obviously okay. where you got your start. Tell us about the the rock, rock and roll scene in Detroit in the early 70s. Well, I started uh, back, uh, I was a lead singer for three bands in my early part of the career. I was living in Detroit before I moved to Birmingham, Michigan. And then when I moved to Birmingham, Michigan, I started, my interest started moving over to more of a, like a managerial situation early into my career. So I was managing a lot of local bands in the area and they were the bands that were opening up for, you know, a lot with Bob Seeger when it was Bob Seeger and the last herd and then the Bob Seeger system ah. way before it was the silver bullet band. And then, and some with uh, Iggy and Ted Nugent and, various other major local you know local detroit rock bands but my bands were the bands that were opening for these people okay at at various different uh you know places and that's really kind of the foundation that i had built for myself and then working in a record retail store uh in birmingham michigan as well and then um and then everything resonated with me being in the you know in that business to become a record promoter well, I'm I'm not sure if people really put together as much as they should rock and roll in Detroit because every time you think about Detroit, you think about you think about Motown, you think about the Motor City, and you think about it in a different right. way. How I mean, right. the countless hard rock acts that were coming out of there in the '70s was just astonishing compared to the rest of the country. 
Yeah, well, that's why they call it Rock City, and and uh, and the other part about, about it is the audiences in Detroit uh, are just amazingly uh, fantastic. I mean, that's why all the bands just want to play in Detroit because the audiences are just you know they love them. So Detroit became a major hub for a lot of major touring bands. Okay, so the early '70s, I was going to be playing Detroit. Where would I be playing? What were the venues that were most popular? Well, in the 70s, well, in the early 70s, which, you know, it, which it was on the cusp of the end of the of the Grandy Ballroom, because uh, that was early 67, 68, 69. And then after the Grandy, but then there was a place in Birmingham, Michigan called the Palladium. Uh, a lot of people uh, played. And then, then after the Grandy days, uh, the East Town uh, became, it was another uh, big movie theater. And you know the Grandy Bar was an old dance uh, uh, place, but, and it was it was quite you know amazing. It was much more like the Fillmore or the Fillmore East and West in, the, in San Francisco and New York. But then okay. the East Town was one of those big movie theaters, and so uh, the East Town became like one of the big places to play. Yeah. I saw uh, like uh, one of the acts I saw there was Humble Pie and Yes on the same oh, show. Oh, I've seen Yes. I missed out on Humble Pie, but uh, so the other acts that you were dealing with. So anyway, I, you know, just to name a more a few more. You know, I, I worked with the New York Dolls, Bachman Turner Overdrive, which you know well up in up in Canada, which yeah. is BTO. Canadian boys. Of course, my, yeah, uh, the Ohio boy Joe Walsh uh, in his early days. Um, and he was a solo artist and working with the Pointer Sisters, B.B. King, Bobby Blue um, Bland, to name a couple in, people in that area. Because I have, you know, talk, you mentioned Motown, and we haven't even scratched on that yet because I dealt with a lot of that too. Right. But uh, ELO, uh, Robin Trower, Jethro Tull, the Babies, the Bee Gees, and a great right. rock band from Detroit that we just talked about. Detroit is a band called the Rockets, and uh, they were, uh, I was really. That was a lot of fun to work. And they were uh, managed by uh, Punch Andrews, who uh, manages Bob Seger as well, the Rockets. And, um, and then, of course, we meant, I mentioned Def Leppard, and then uh, Richie Blackmore and Rainbow and the Scorpions, and then, of course, John Cougar. So there's about. yeah there's there's an endless amount of talent to talk about. Uh, we're going to get yeah. into all of these things on upcoming episodes, but I just wanted to open this up to uh, whoever's listening. Hopefully, there's one or two people listening to this, and you're going to get a lot more <laughs> of this kind of talk. Jack Jack's got endless amounts of 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 information, and we're going to have a lot of different guests on this show, uh, and uh, it's yeah. just going to be a lot of fun talking about rock and roll and talking about hopefully talking about a few things that you don't know about right now but my guests and jack's guests are gonna sort of you know open up your eyes and let you see what you've missed yeah i mean i i i can only tell you that uh, this is going to be a lot of fun and uh working with james and talking with him uh, on the show and not just talking about what i did but to all these other guests that we're going to have on the show that uh are, are were very much important to this industry and uh will give you great stories about what they individually did uh, through their career and what they're currently doing now. That is exactly what we're going to do. But Jack, I guess that's a, a wrap for episode one and everyone thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for episode two of tales from the turntable. See you then. 